You are listening to episode 137 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we talk shop and premium drops in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So uh, this week we got a pretty cool guest on. We've got uh, Barry, who's part of the Premium Edition Games team, and uh, he's joining us today. Hello, everybody. So uh, we're happy to have Barry here this week. Uh, we're really going to kind of talk about Premium Edition Games, get Barry's thoughts on the Nintendo E3 presentation. And uh, of course, we'll start out with our recent pickups and are currently playing. So Ryan, I'll let you go first, man. Anything that you've picked up or uh, that you're currently playing? Uh, no new surprises. Nothing new picked up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm still rolling through my RE8 New Game Plus playthrough. Uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of time this week, um, but... I'm hoping that I can put the nail in that coffin and then uh, get back to Odyssey so that I'm not... I mean, gosh, man, like, it's already halfway or more through June. I've got less than six months. Barry, I don't know if you know, we do this thing every year, um, New Games Resolution, where we're supposed to pick a game that we've always wanted to play and then finally, you know, get up and play it. I was supposed to do Persona 4 last year. And I never finished it. <laughs> and now I'm supposed to do Mario Odyssey and finish Persona 4. And I got to play like an hour of Blue's Clues to uh, be punished for. And I, I've got like less than six months now to get all that <laughs> done. And I, I'm not very good at uh, keeping up on a schedule like that. Sounds so like you That's kind of where off. I'm at. <laughs> Man, you, Barry, you could give this guy a weekend off and he'll play something else. So <laughs> Resident Evil 8 is a prime example. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play Odyssey. I'm going to get it beat. I'm going to do all of this stuff this week and then like i come in the next week and he's like oh yeah so i picked up resident evil 8 and i'm in the middle of that so i, I don't know if you heard last week's episode but i said hey what are you currently playing are you playing odyssey are you playing pursuing he's like oh well i just did my new game plus on resident evil 8 i'm like what are you doing <laughs> you know you have how time for a new game plus you know <laughs> <clears throat> yeah pretty much right uh what else you got on your plate ryan uh, I did play uh, the demo for Demon's Tear, which is our inflation deflation challenge. So I'll save some of that talk for later. Um, other than that, uh, not a whole lot going on. I have been watching Loki, and I really dig that. Nice. I you haven't checked that one out that? yet, but uh, no. I but it. I've been watching. I've been watching Sweet Tooth. I haven't on seen that. I saw like the. It's like a puppy with horns, but it's a human child. It's a deer with horns, but close. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Barry, how about yourself? Any uh, recent pickups? Anything that you're currently playing right now? Uh, yeah. So like you, talking about how you have this New Year's challenge and like every, you challenge yourself to play a game that you've always wanted to play. Uh, I love that idea. In fact, I started doing that last year. But instead of doing it just one game, what I started doing was marathons, like series that I never played before. I really wanted to get into but there's multiple games and I'm just going to marathon through all of them, you know, just try and bang, bang, you know, my way through and see what they're about. And, uh, I'm in the middle of one right now, which is actually very timely, which is the Rampa series. Oh, yeah. I've always wanted to play them. I never, never got to, I loved like the zero escapes. So I've done the first two and I'm right at the end of ultra despair girls. Um, because I popped in V3 ready to go one, two, three. And then I've, realized in the opening they show one and two and then they show ultra despair girls and dankenrampa 3 and i'm like wait a minute 
what's up with this. So I found out the third game isn't actually part of the series to totally. It's like separate. The third quote unquote story is actually an anime. So I had to buy the Blu-rays. So I'm slowly working my <laughs> way through the anime as well because I want the whole story before I jump into V3. Um, but like that's what I try and do with these marathons. Like I just did Devil May Cry earlier this year where I did every game, including DMC and also the anime that came with it because that's canon. Um, I just try and absorb into a series uh, and get to experience it for the first time. And so I, I try and do that uh, periodically. So I'm really enjoying the Rampa games. And I say it's timely because we'll talk about it later with Nintendo Direct, but they're awesome games. And uh, I'm kind of surprised Ultra Despair Girls isn't included in that because it is canon, even though it is different. Uh, very different style gameplay, but I like it. It's, it's like Resident Evil, and I'm not a horror fan, but it's like Resident Evil style um Dankin Rampa. so That's really dope. cool yeah it is very cool um as for pickups i get a lot of things in uh, one of the things i'm shooting for is a complete switch collection so Ooh. every and i have it currently as of now so every week i get the new releases and it's getting tougher and tougher as every week goes on naturally um but but i did wind up picking up <clears throat> one of my other hobbies in terms of gaming is as a collector of everything but but i specialize in handheld consoles oh i love handheld consoles dude game boy uh, micro best console ever i love the micro but but i i also specialize in like a lot of the forgotten about and uh, never heard of consoles not just the ones that everyone else knows so i do have a display i have a youtube video of the display but i do have to update it but i just got in one that i've been hunting for for a good price and and definitely wanted for a long time which is the pc engine lt just Ooh. came in and uh it's one i've missed and just looking up there and seeing like the turbo graphics you know the turbo express and the the pc engine gt i was like i'm missing that lt it's like a hole it's, every time i see them on my display I'm, like burning like i know i'm missing that one so that's super cool looking it. oh it's awesome and uh never got one well, never got like a turbo equivalent over here unfortunately but i'm like all right i gotta try and find uh so i was able to do that so that was my big pickup to uh, add to the collection Nice. Yeah, I unfortunately sold my uh, Turbo Graphics uh, Duo oh. complete in box last year. So, but I had to, man. Like, so I, yeah, I'll jump into. So March of last year, I picked up a massive, massive collection from a guy who apparently they moved into a house, and whoever was there, I guess they were evicted or somebody died. I have no idea, but it was a collector that lived in the home before them, and so I just bought the entire collection. Uh, from this guy and uh, one of the things then there was a complete in box turbo graphics duo and or turbo duo and it was just one of those things i'm like well i've only got like three games which i did keep the games at least but then i sold the rest of it um just to be able to make up the funds you know how it is oh i bet uh, that sold for a pretty penny too uh i think at the time when i sold last year was about 850 when I sold it. Wow, it's so, uh it's gone up considerably probably, <laughs> yeah it definitely has well the thing that is darn too, it wasn't, yeah, right. It wasn't recapped or anything along those lines. Uh, the box itself was then a matching cereal box, so you kind of have that going for it. Uh, but overall, I mean, I was happy with it. I mean, the way I kind of consider it right is, could I have held on to it? Yes, but then I wouldn't have been able to buy the other games that I ended up picking up that have also gone up. So you kind of have to look at it. In oh that yeah, of course. And and yeah. you gotta gotta keep what you enjoy. It's, if it's something you're not gonna enjoy in your collection, then by all means, give it to somebody or you know sell it to somebody who who will enjoy it. And it's just well, about making a collection you like. 
Well, and some of the turning point on that too, right, is I only had three games on it, right? I don't have anything going for it. That's all I got. And it was like, I've got the TurboGrafx Mini. So whenever that's hacked at some point, not to say, not that we advise on hacking, but, you know, at some point, if there's an ability for me to play a couple RPGs on that console that aren't on the Mini, I'll have that ability. And then there's also the... Um, isn't there like a new turbo duo that's supposed to be coming out like a, a remake? Uh, and I think a, analog. Yeah, pre-orders are already. Yeah, the analog. So I saw that and I was like, well, that's coming out brand new. I can play my graphics games on there and my CD based games. Plus I have the mini. I'm like, I don't need a complete in box. It isn't recapped. And then I run the risk of it going bad and then not being able to sell it because I'm not going to recap it. So that was kind of that thought process, too. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. But uh, in regard to my pickups uh, this week, I've got Ori, Will of the Wisps, and uh, Ori in the Blind Forest that I picked up for the Switch. Uh, so those, Barry, you're probably very familiar with it. I can see those going out of print fairly soon and being one of those like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 situations where we're looking at 90 to 100 bucks when I can get it for 30 right now. So that was my mindset on that. And I've always wanted to play those two games. Wait, is I'm Xenoblade Chronicles 2 worth some money now? Oh, a lot of money. It Thanks is. to Pyro yeah. and Mithra going in Smash. Oh, yep. man, I I tried playing that game, and I was very sick at the time, and I was also watching a lot of Black Mirror, and I just couldn't take the accents anymore, and I just dropped that game like a hot bag of rocks. Oh, so that's at the least best I game still on the Switch. It. You need to give it another <laughs> shot. It's so good. I couldn't, like, I got to the part where you've got to do, like, the dive mechanic mini game for the robot girl, and I was like, what is happening in this game? And I never oh. really got, like, a full handle on the combat for some reason. It was... I was very sick at the time, like I said, so I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to that. <laughs> need, need to give it another shot. The combat, it's slow burn, but it does definitely get faster and better. And the dive mini game is a lot of fun. It's like arcade style. Yeah. Well, uh, outside of Ori, or Ori and Ori, I also picked up a box of Magic the Gathering Horizons 2. So I uh, continue my conquest of buying new product of Magic and just setting it aside and not touching it. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then I'm still playing blind or uh, not blind uh, bio mutant as well, which still not a fan. I've heard mixed all. things about that game. I, how how know, much I time are you going to give to it, John? Uh, well, I mean, I paid 120 bucks for a collector's edition, so I'm going to beat the entire thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but that's forcing yourself. I just chalked that up to a loss and move on. Yeah, that's a no, that's I a heavy price tag. That. 120 bucks and how many dozens of hours? <laughs> Uh, not a whole lot of hours. So here's what I'm going to do. Since it is an open world based RPG, right? I'm not going to go through every single mini quest. Yeah. Just skip the side side quests. Yeah. So I'm, unless it's like a pertinent quest that I need to go through, you know, I'll explore the world a little bit, but I'm not going to go full all in and just like every single inch of the bio mutant world and complete every single component. Cause even now, I mean, however far I'm in right now is just kind of getting a little monotonous in, in terms of what we're doing. And I still cannot get over that dialogue. And with it just being the narrator, it's just killing me, dude. Um, so Barry, I don't know if you've if you played it or seen any videos on there uh, regarding or some of the feedback. But instead of doing different voices uh, for a lot of the characters, they just have one narrator that goes through and repeats everything. Oh. So you'll have this like foreign talk of the different creatures and such a live in the bio mutant world. And then he just literally repeats and says, well, this particular person says that you should do this. And it's just constant. So one of the suggestions I read in a forum was to change the audio to Japanese. And then it comes off a little different, right? Because now you've got this Japanese audio and he's translating for you. 
uh, or no, it's sorry, not translating. Like it's got this Japanese audio where it normally would have the narrator and then you have the subtitles. Mm. So it, it, it's easier to follow that way, but I just couldn't get over. I'm like, why am I listening to it in Japanese? Like I'm not doing myself any favors when I'm trying to go through like certain areas and now I have to consistently read subtitles. So there's certain games you could do that with like a Sekido or uh, a Ghost of Tsushima, but this, no, there's no, it just doesn't fit. So, um, see, and I understand one. Ghost of Tsushima, and even that I played English. Like, if I have a choice, I'll choose English dialogue, even if the dub is bad, I don't care. Like, <laughs> but but Sekiro, <laughs> at least being set in Japan, I or Tsushima, uh, I understand that completely. Yeah, yeah. So, those two games I played in Japanese all the way through and definitely enjoyed it. I thought it added a lot of value to my playthrough uh, when I beat both of those games, and just this one in general, just it doesn't make any sense. So, I'm going to keep punishing myself with it, hoping it gets better. <laughs> but so far, it's eh, which is so disappointing because I was looking forward to this for several years. See, I'm the other way. I live that subtitle life. I got subtitles on my YouTube videos. I got subtitles on my Netflix. I've watched subtitles on everything. Yeah, but you also watch like subbed anime, right? So Yeah, but I mean, mostly I don't. Like as much as, as that's where it started from, I just... I like subtitles now for some reason. It sucks with comedy because it always gives away the punchline. But other than that, it works pretty good. See, I like to I, just be able I to like read that in games too. too. You know, in a lot of games, I'll choose subtitles on, especially in certain cutscenes, because you never know how people will deliver the dialogue, and you might miss something. Like they might say something that may sound a little muffled. Wait, what was that? So I'll read mm-hmm. along with it. But when I'm watching YouTube or TV, no subtitles. Like <laughs> it's only for games. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I, I usually have subtitles on TV and I'll typically put them on games. And the main reason being is the last thing I want to do is be in the middle of something. And then my wife comes behind me and she's microwaving something or cooking something on the stove or puts on the dishwasher or whatever it may be that she's doing uh, where our TV is located. And then I just can't hear what's going on. So like middle of a cut scene that I can't go back to and I can't hear the audio. I'm like, well, that was kind of important to the story. And now I have no idea what they said. So. Uh, all right. Well, guys, let's uh, let's jump into the next part of our episode here, which is going to be uh, actually let's go ahead and uh, Barry, if you want to give a quick introduction about yourself, um, where you kind of started, where you're at now, and then we'll jump into our, our overall thoughts on E3 and then uh, kind of chat with you a little bit more on Premium Edition games. Sure. Um, so for those listening, uh, my name is Barry Carenza, and uh, I've been a gamer since birth. Literally, my uh, I was almost born in the house because my father wouldn't get away from the Atari 800 and uh, and uh, go to the hospital. Uh, <laughs> literally gaming right from from, from childbirth. Um, and I've been an analyst uh, studying the industry probably for a couple decades now. Uh, for the last almost nine years that's going on, I've been working with uh, NintendoFuse.com. Uh, doing articles and reviews and being a part of their podcast, which I still am. And uh, and top of that, I started almost two years ago now on the Switch Mania Playcast. I was uh, brought in, and uh, that, that we're still doing. <clears throat> and from there, I uh, became a part of Premium Edition Games, and uh, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I'm just a gamer overall. I'm a collector overall of everything from the Odyssey to the PS5 and uh, Series X. And I just love video games. I love being a part of the industry and, uh, you know, anything I could do to help and uh, make things better for other people, I'm going to try and do that. Sounds good, man. Well, we're happy to have you on the episode this week. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. 
No problem. So uh, since you're uh, you know involved in Nintendo Fuse and you got the Switch Mania uh, playcast going as well, what were your overall thoughts on the Nintendo E3 that we just saw the other the other week? You know, I went in with I always go into shows with with bare minimum expectations. I've Those decided are good expectations to have. You know, <laughs> if you if you go in with so many people go in with these lofty expectations, they're going to do everything I want 100%. The whole show is going to be tailor made to me, and then when it's not, they complain on the internet. And that's just the way every single Direct goes. And I, I always tell people, if Nintendo came out and they said, here's this, we're going to give you every game ever imaginable. We're going to give you like 100 Zeldas, 100 Marys. They're all going to come out. We're going to give it to you all for free. We're going to give everyone in the world a Switch. We're going to give everybody in the world a billion dollars. And we're going to deliver it to you right now. The doorbell rings. Everyone gets all this stuff. People will still find a reason to complain. Where's that's Mother just, 3? <clears throat> Mother 3 would be included. You would have Mother 3 to 8. Um, <laughs> and people would still complain, why is there not a Mother 9? Um, that's just the nature of people. So I've you know, looking at it and studying that, it's like, you know what? I go in with... with the, the minimum expectations, they're going to show off some stuff, and I'm going to like at least three things. And honestly, and I know some people like, ah, it wasn't as good. To me, it was an 11 out of 10. And the reason I say it was 11 out of 10, because the stuff they showed off, the majority of the stuff they showed off was my taste. Even if it's not stuff I'm going to instantly play, um, it's in some of its ports, but I'm just happy certain things are coming to the Switch. And for the Nintendo stuff, <clears throat> I absolutely, first off, Metroid Dread. Uh, yes. I've been waiting for Metroid Dread for 19 years and all the, the rumors and the old articles and Red Dread's coming, Dread's coming. That was my college. Like, oh, yeah, Dread, we're going to get Dread. Um, to see it in action is great. I'm glad Mercury Steam is getting a, another shot. I thought Samus Returns was very good. Um, so it's great to see that. That, awesome. Breath of the Wild 2 looks fantastic. Uh, I'm okay with the 2022 um, I truly believe there's going to be a successor to the Switch, and that's what it's going to be on. It's going to be five years at that point, so it makes sense. Um, I'm happy with uh, WarioWare. I never thought we'd see another WarioWare game. I yeah. never thought I'd see Advance Wars come back. Yeah. I see people complain, 60 hours for Advance Wars, what the heck. Um, I have them both. You can get them both for 60 on GBA. Well, you can get them both for 60 on GBA. You're getting both for 60 on the Switch with, you know, updated features like to me that's fine um this is the type of game like you're gonna have to expect that nintendo games are always going to be more on the higher price anyways but you're getting two 30 dollar games for 60 bucks that's really no reason to complain in my opinion you're getting a new mario party which is a lot of the old stuff that we've liked just brought back together uh like that to me that's fantastic then the ports Rampa, I said already playing through. I love that series already. Um, to get that on the Switch, let people play it, is a fantastic thing. If you haven't played them yet and you say, hey, I'm going to go get the physicals. I don't know if you've seen the price of the physicals on PS4 and Vita. They're disgustingly high. Um, so this is a great way for people who are intimidated by that price to get into the series. Life is Strange is one of those games, a series I marathoned last year and I fell in love with. And I'm so happy to see this come to the Switch. This is the, it's a good experience, at least the first game. I think everyone should try. It's just such a compelling story and makes you make so many decisions that are gut-wrenching. Um, and just fantastic to see these come. And, and True Colors, I did not expect to come to the Switch either. That's you know brand new. It looks great. Um, just seeing these, these games come over is just unbelievable. And 
while yes, it may not have a, a brand new Mario, there's the Mario and Rabbids, which which is great. I showed that off at Ubisoft, of course. Um, but <clears throat> you know, no, I've seen a lot of people go like, "There's no Zelda Wii U HD collection or anything like that." That's probably still coming. Uh, they probably figured they had enough to show off, and we got the Game and Watch, uh, which looks cool. But you know, just never count Nintendo out. I think what they showed was fantastic. If you look, Shin Megami Tensei 5, I mean, there's so many things I didn't even talk about. It looks great. And if you look at their calendar, they like released a calendar. There's like four games or something per month almost. And if you just played those, if you didn't have a PlayStation, you didn't have an Xbox, you didn't have a PC, you just had a Switch, just playing those, that would fill your month with, with given life and everything else most likely. So... To me, that's an awesome schedule. When you can play and constantly have games to play, you're good. If you have all those other systems, then it's even better. Then you have pick and choose. But that's my opinion, at least, on it. I know some people might be listening going, oh, it sucked. And you know what? You're That's fine. You're entitled. Everyone has different tastes. Um, but for me, I'm super hyped. Yeah, so I, I was kind of mixed on it, to be honest. Uh, for me, I did enjoy a lot of what they showed, right? Um I guess I haven't been playing so much Nintendo as of late, so it hasn't really, like, it didn't spark me as it should have, I guess. And I think the entire E3 conference from a get-go, and, and we talked about this on our last episode, um, was a bit of a disappointment for me. John, in general, need, just E3. If you need sparks, uh, Mario Rabbit sparks of hope, that might help. No, no. I did not like the original Mario oh. Rabbids game, so I'm not going to play that. Uh, however, I will tell you, the thing I'm most excited about, Fatal Frame. Yeah, I was so excited to see that coming to the Switch. Obviously, it didn't hit the Wii U. That was one of the most disappointing games um, in terms of not coming over to the Wii U in uh, North America. So to see that being ported over to the Switch for a worldwide release is just phenomenal. Like I'm so stoked to play that. Um, Mario Party Superstars immediately captivated me as a game I want to play. Super Monkey Ball. Oh, I mean, dude, yes. Talk about like quality titles being put into a bundle. Like, come on. That's a that's a day one purchase. I, right I just the hope they don't screw around with Monkey Target and give us Monkey Ball 1's Monkey Target and leave it as is. It was perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, man. Like, I'm I'm completely stoked. I believe that they're going to put out a good product on that. Do you know if that was multi-plat, yes. though? I don't... <clears throat> Monkey okay. Ball is on everything. And, and surprisingly, I wasn't sh- yeah. Yeah. Fatal Frame is on everything, too. Yeah, I did see that, too. Which it's is... Be on. I think it's you, just PS4 and Xbox... Uh, one, I think. I don't know if it was coming to five and I think it's and five X and X. Series X as well. Um, what's nice. interesting about that, though, is Nintendo co-owns the IP. Hmm. So Nintendo had to give the go-ahead to allow that to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. I don't think that, you know, a core audience, the core audience of Nintendo, I don't think is chasing Fatal Frame games for the most part. So, you know, and we had Fatal Frame 1, 2, and 3 on the PlayStation 2. So I, I can see that being a situation where I'm understanding we just need to broaden this one out just because of what it is in terms of content. I, I think it's one of those things where Koei Tecmo did so well with Hyrule Warriors, and they said, hey, we're working with you here. Would it be okay if we did this? We'd like to bring it back, but we don't want to do it just for the Switch if we're going to spend the time and money on it. you know. So I, I have a feeling it's some kind of favor. It's kind of like Wonderful 101. As far as I know, mm-hmm. Nintendo still co-owns that IP with Platinum, and they, they did the go-ahead, like you can go ahead and do it if it gets enough funds, if there's an interest to put on PS4. Uh, yeah, I was shocked to see that hit PS4 when it did. It was Kickstarter, so it, it had enough interest. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and let's see what else. Uh, the biggest disappointment, of course, is uh, no Waluigi in Smash. Uh, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think so. I think what's going to happen with that is they're going to be like, all right, we're releasing a new Smash game, and guess what? There's DLC from the last uh, Smash game that's going to have uh, Waluigi. But here's a new Smash. So that, or you know, to your point, right? They can give us a billion dollars in every single game, but we're still going to complain <laughs> that there's no Waluigi. See, see, he's an yeah. assist character. Uh, yeah, I don't get the hate, man. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, I think the E3 think was, was like you know really good. Uh, I mean, for the most part, you guys already hit everything on there that I would have had anything to say about. Um, the one thing that I was hoping was just like a little bit more like i was i for one was all pumped up and i think we all kind of were that like there was going to be some announcement for the pro like everyone was saying like the week before e3 or like (laughs) okay it didn't come they'll do it at e3 and now it's like we're still kind of here left holding the bag and it's like well i guess uh no surprises there well ryan let me let me cut you for a second though so one of the things i read recently actually was yesterday um, there was an article that came out that specifically showed why it wasn't presented at E3, and that's because Nintendo's already been burned twice uh, in their history by showing something at E3. They did it with the Wii U, and then they did it with the, I think it was the new 3DS XL. And both of those just flopped, right, um, in terms of you know overall commercial release and, and hitting the hands of consumers. So I think overall there might be a fear from Nintendo to put out an announcement or show a console at an event like this. Uh, knowing historically what it has done. And for them, it's like, why do we need to pander to the E3 conference? Why can't we do this at like TGS or do it on our own Nintendo Direct? There's no purpose in having it go to E3 because they're going to get as many fans listening in on their directs and have it on YouTube and everything else. Or at a show like TGS, there's no need to do it at E3. I could see why they wouldn't have done it. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you said that. Like, we've all been expecting it. Um, Nintendo, historically doesn't do what we expect i mean that's true how how many years have we all been clamoring where's the wee hd just released the wee hd which obviously never happened um then well it did it was the wii u <clears throat> wii was a new system not a wee hd <laughs> no I, no we got I, the wii mini I'm instead uh, i'm just i'm messing with you dude <laughs> but but i mean there could be true that they don't want to bog down e3 but it, again look at their schedule that they have for the rest of 2020 uh, one they, they have yeah. a huge schedule. They've got great games. They don't need to throw a, a Switch Pro in the middle of that when they've got a stacked lineup of, of heavy hitters um, virtually every month uh, for the rest of this year. Starting, yeah. I mean, Mario Golf is about to come out. we got Skyward Sword next month. I mean, and that's just uh, Hyrule Warriors DLC just dropped yesterday as of the time of this recording. Um, they, they've got stuff planned out already. My guess is they want Breath of the Wild 2 to help push this Switch Pro. And this may not be a Switch Pro. At this time, I'm starting to lean more towards successor. Because mm-hmm. Nintendo historically does five years. Uh, the Wii U was four years. But historically, they do five years. And 2017, March 2017 to March 2022 would be five years. So yeah. they could do that and say, here's our Switch 2 instead. Launch it with Breath of the Wild, which is backwards compatible with the Switch. Have it be 100, the whole system be 100% backwards compatible with the Switch and, and move from there. And instead of seeing it now, they don't have no reason. Because look at the Switch shortage or the 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 the, the the silicon shortage, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the chips, the PS5s and Xbox Series X can't meet demand. Why should they throw themselves into that mix? There's no yeah. reason to. It's better for them to start producing now and hold off and then be able to say, here it is, and guess what? We've got 
5 million units or 10 million units we're able to throw right at launch uh, because we've been building up slowly and manufacturing slowly. And then there's less unhappy people. I mean, you'll still get the scalpers, but at least there'll be more actual gamers getting the systems. That's my prediction more into next year. And all those people getting hyped up, we're going to see it a week before E3. They, they set themselves up for failure. Especially yeah. when Nintendo announced, hey, we're showing only software, mostly focusing around 2021 at E3, and still going in, where's the Switch Pro? Like, they told you they were doing software. <laughs> so, I'm going to have to say, in terms of successor, because you do bring that up, I'm going to have to say, like, my prediction for this is Nintendo is just going to stick with the Switch. If they don't do a Switch Pro, which would be some sort of upgrade, right, in terms of maybe the, the screen that's on their controller, something along those lines, right? I don't see any reason for them to do some sort of a successor at five years. The Switch is selling like crazy right now. Like they've they're on pace to to shatter, you know, sales records and such. So at this point, why would you ever jump into a successor? It's selling so well, just keep up with it. You got all this great software coming out. There in my mind, there's no reason to put out a successor or even a pro for that matter. There, there's no point. It's still selling well. You're right. So why would you why would you even do that? Anything about that? I mean, you know, I could see with with Sony, it, it made sense with the with the Pro, right? Let's put out a console because maybe, pow, like in terms of power, it doesn't match up to like a one. Uh, so I can see a Pro coming out for that instance. But Nintendo's its own thing. They don't. To your point, man, they don't do what we expect. So yeah. we really shouldn't expect. A pro, we shouldn't suspect or expect a, a successor because it's not needed well, from Nintendo to continue pushing what they're doing. So every time Nintendo does do a new console, usually they're doing it and they try to do something new and something different. So, like, do you see a successor to the Switch being just like, here's the Switch 2? Or do you see them doing something that's like, okay, we've done the Switch, we'll take what we like from that and we'll throw something new at it because it's like, it seems like they always try. <laughs> I do agree with that. They're, they're definitely always thinking outside the box. In this case, I kind of hope they don't. I kind of hope that whatever successor it is, it's just honestly a more powerful switch, more powerful screen, you know, more powerful chips inside, more powerful when docked. That's all they have to do and make it backwards compatible. If they, Even if they put that at a $500 price point, the only people going for it are those hardcore. They take the regular Switch model, lower it to 250 and just keep making it because it's selling like crazy and keep mm -hmm. the Switch Lite at 200 Maybe they drop that to 150 and yeah. they've, they've got it made. People who want to make like indie games, they don't need to be super powerful making the Switch. Those that want to bring over like Guardians of the Galaxy, which was shown off at E3, which is a cloud version. Hey, now you can make a native version on the Switch yeah. Pro only and then still if you want a cloud version for the regular Switch. And this way, people with, with that aren't upgrading aren't missing out unless it's those hardcore AAA games and the the majority of people playing those either will be buying a Switch 2 or Switch Pro or whatever or they already have another system or a PC that can play them so they're not missing out well and one of the things I brought to Ryan a while back is you don't even have to go through like a crazy chipset right as long as you come in with you know 4K quality uh, which Nintendo always seems to be kind of a in a sense a generation behind right in terms of the hardware and I think that helps them in the long run because they're a little bit more profitable in that regard uh, but I think what you, what you could end up seeing realistically is, you know, a pro, quote unquote, right, coming out and removing the old Switch altogether and keeping it the Switch Lite for the handheld component. And like you said, backwards compatible, you know, with the older games. You can still, and it honestly doesn't need to, need to be backwards compatible for the most part. It could just still be Switch carts that are being plugged in there. 
So I I don't know, man. Nintendo could go all over the place with this. I think no matter what they create, they're gonna sell it. I mean, and it's gonna sell like crazy. If it if it uses a different format. Um, it still has to have a spot for Switch cards. They would be stupid not to... I mean, Nintendo historically does backwards yeah. compatibility, um, especially with their handhelds, but even with some of their consoles, like the the Wii was backwards with the GameCube and the Wii U backwards with the Wii. Um, it, yep. it has to. The Switch library is too huge for it not to immediately come out with all of those games. If it came out with yeah. exclusive games only, that's going to be dead in the water for a short time, or for a long time, actually, because there's so many great games that people haven't had a chance to play yet, and the Switch's library is insane. So yeah. mm-hmm. But think about all it. the games they could port. I mean, they could just start porting more last gen games over <laughs> That's again. True. Like, I That's true, we man. need a we still haven't gotten this Wind Waker. I'm ready for the next console's Wind Waker. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's so funny. So many people are like, "Oh, all these Wii U ports, these Wii U ports suck," and then they're complaining because there's no Wii, uh, you know, Twilight Princess and and Wind Waker HD port on the Switch. And I'm like, make up I your know. mind. Do you not want ports, or do you want ports? Like, I like ports, and the only reason I like ports is because there's a lot of people that never got to play these games. So yeah. it's a first time for them to experience it and even if it's a game i played and it's like well i'm not going to play this again i'm excited for other people to experience these games and, and it's a so decent funny. price point too a decent price point but even even 60 dollars doesn't matter certain games are absolutely worth it and it's just great to see that and so, so many people are closed-minded with like oh only about me only about me only about me and they don't think about other people who will enjoy those games like like well i mean i was gonna say you, the uh smash reveal Right. That was just I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a Tekken player. So for me, it's like I, I got Pyramithra. I'm happy. Like it doesn't do anything for me. I'm going to be playing the character because I have the, the pass. But I've seen other, you know, reaction videos, of people losing their shit over it because like, oh, my God, I'm a big Tekken fan. This is fantastic. And I'm so happy for them. Not everything yeah. is going to be tailor made to you. Be happy for the other people. I just love those well, Smash I mean, reveals. They're always so fun. Like the oh, yeah. the Pyramid one, one was. I was like, oh my gosh, are they making more of this game? And then it was like Psych Smash. And I thought it was Kazuya a new just too. throwing everybody into the volcano. Like they always kill those. On well, Kirby floating Kirby, off, yeah. is kind <laughs> can't of kill Kirby as well. Yeah, can't kill Kirby. He's invincible. Um, no, but you bring up a good point too, man. With like the the ports and such, and you know, so many people complaining about how uh, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess and such don't have these HD remakes, but, you know, if you would have supported Nintendo with the Wii U, you would have had that HD remake a long time ago and been able to enjoy it. So, I mean, I got my Zelda Wii U version, uh, you know, several years back and absolutely love it, dude. Like, Wii U is one of my favorite consoles. It is. And and it's, like, absurdly low sales numbers, man. It's, like, what, like 11 or 12 million consoles? Yeah, it's it's insane. So that's actually something I'm collecting for right now. Uh, as, as far as like those exclusives that I don't anticipate coming over to other consoles, um, just because you know it's you see those sales numbers and you know there's not a whole bunch of games that have uh, been printed for some of those uh, particular franchises. I think I think a lot of them still will stay. Like I think Game and Wario, I think Nintendo Land, mm-hmm. and Star Fox Zero probably will remain. Um, I do yeah. see the Zelda games coming over. Uh, Mario Party 10 is going to stay. Um, but I, yeah. I, I also see Xenoblade X being one that will come over somehow. I could see Xenoblade X coming over. I definitely can't see Devil's Third coming over. Um, yeah. That one I think is going to stay, yeah. which I'm happy I got my copy. <laughs> but you never know. They could say, you know what, let's give it another shot. But but it didn't sell enough. And it, 
that's the thing. It's like, what what faith do they have? Zelda, they know is going to sell. Even Mario Party 10, that could sell, but why? They're making new Mario Parties. Leave that in the past. Star Fox, yeah. maybe they'll do a Star Fox Zero you know, remake, or they'll just do a new Star Fox. They don't seem to have faith in that franchise anymore. And Xenoblade well, is on like, fire, so... Get it next. could be like with their F-Zero. You know, if they don't think that they can do something new and innovative with it, they don't want to waste just throwing, you know, a new shot at the IP again away on something that would just be mediocre. I'd rather see them wait to make, like, a really awesome Star Fox than just, you know... At the same time, they have been known to let other studios work on their games. Even F-Zero, you mentioned Amusement Visions, who did the Monkey Ball games, did F-Zero, GX, and AX. And -hmm. they did a phenomenal job. Give it to another team. Uh, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp is not being made by Intelligent Systems. It's actually being made by WayForward. They're working with WayForward on that. Metroid Dread is being worked on by, you know, Mercury Steam. So they, I mean, they're they, not doing Prime either in-house. Well, Retro Studios is second party. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Nintendo owns them. But they don't know Mercury Steam. They don't own WayForward, of course. But mm-hmm. they're, they're letting more and more of the other studios work with their IP. That's what they need. They should go to the studio behind, like, Fast Racing and go, like, hey, you want to do a new F-Zero? Like, do it. Make it yeah. happen. Which uh, which game are they doing? If uh, I think it's Team Ninja, they had a game that they're working on them with. Which one is that? Or am I thinking of a different? They did they did Metroid Other M, but you're probably thinking of the Final Fantasy game that was. Oh Team yeah, Ninja. yeah, yeah. I am. Which yeah, yeah. I saw Team Ninja the other day when I was watching the videos, and uh, yeah, you bring up the third party studios, just kind of triggered that for a second. <laughs> I got uh, one more <laughs> Nintendo thing I want to kind of bring up. So. What do you guys think about uh, this as the introduction to the Zelda anniversary year? I mean, we got the Game & Watch similar to like the Mario Game & Watch. I actually think this one's a lot better of a deal. Oh, I'm yeah. a lot more interested in it. Um, but like, do you think that... like I've heard a lot of general disappointment. People are like, Zelda deserves better. Like We want to see more. And it's like, well, you've already got Skyward Sword on the way. They showed off at least a little bit of breath of the wild we're getting you know the same game and watch thing like is it enough do they need to do more well if you look at what they did with mario they did a wii u port with 3d all with uh 3d world with adding bowser's fury which was fantastic they did the 3d all-stars collection they did the mario kart uh live and then the the game and watch like that was their thing plus little collaborations like an animal crossing and stuff like that um, with Zelda thus far, you also have the Game & Watch. You've got the, a Wii port instead of the Wii U port with Skyward Sword. And <clears throat> I think people are looking at that 3D All-Stars as that's what that they really want. That that will make people happy. And I think if they did like the Ocarina Majora's Mask 3D versions and if they did the, the Twilight Princess uh, Wind Waker HD, people would be fine. I think where they looked at Mario as having its own separate direct, and I truly believe that direct that would have been part of their E3 presentations had there been an E3. But because there was no E3, they made it separate. I do still feel that we're going to see some kind of anniversary direct, and I could be wrong, there's no logo or anything like there was with Mario. They're also not acknowledging Metroid's 35, but we're getting Metroid Dread. So, (laughs) I mean, we could also get a Metroid collection. Why not a Metroid collection? It seems pretty easy to do. But, hey, we're getting a brand new 2D Metroid after 19 years. Um, We should be happy with that. You know, beggars don't be choosers. So, as far as I'm concerned, that's a great anniversary gift. They're just not marketing it as the anniversary. And it's weird that they're not marketing the anniversary. And I 
I don't know why they're not. I mean, even Monkey Ball marketed it as a 20th anniversary. <laughs> like, they should. I well, would have liked think, to see uh, something for, like, uh, a cross game that has, like, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons in yes. one and represented kind of like they did with uh, Link's Awakening. Oh, also, one of the things to consider is Nintendo last year when they announced that 3D All-Stars collection, I want to say it was in the later half of the year. September. Wasn't it like that August? Yeah. So, I mean, there's still, I mean, when you consider there's still three months to go before. And, you know, they said we're not working on any, I think they said new Zelda games, <clears throat> if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, during the E3 presentation. So a new Zelda game, you know, an anniversary collection is not considered a new Zelda game. Correct. That's existing. So I think people need to kind of keep that in mind that, those anniversary releases weren't announced till later in the year. Mm -hmm. You didn't even get the Mario 3D Land with, you know, Bowser's Fury until March, right, of Fe this past year. Yeah. So, or February, March, February. Was, yeah, yeah, February to March. So, I mean, you really didn't get a long time to buy that game uh, in terms of a print run. So, I think people need to just kind of hold their breath and wait. That wasn't a limited print and run. 3D, all, 3, 3D that, World is No, that was just there. the 3D All-Star one. Yeah. Oh, I thought the uh, 3D Land, they were stopping. No, 3, 3D World, Bowser's Fury is not stopped they stopped the oh, mario 99 though right mario 99 yeah that's yeah. another thing they did i forgot about mario 99 that was another but at the same time was it 99 or 30 35 or 35, 35. Yeah. they uh they did also a lot of people forget hyrule warriors age of calamity dlc this year which oh, that's first part already yeah. came out that's part of the anniversary too and they're doing a bunch yeah. of dlc for that right they've got like a big long roadmap with like several releases yeah it's two two big packs the first one just dropped and the second one's in november so if, if you never played age of calamity that's not your thing you may overlook it but that's still part of the anniversary mm -hmm. yeah, so they're doing a pretty good a job people go are here. just always like you said people are always going to find something to complain about yeah i always will yeah and, and we got a long way to go here three months till september you could even see a, an announcement coming in october for all we know so uh, you know, are there any particular like Zelda anniversary release dates that are coming later in the year? You know, like maybe something was released on, you know, the 10th of October and maybe that's when they decide, hey, we're going to announce this 3D collection. I mean, you don't know. And so I think that's where really all these consumers need to just kind of wait and relax and, and play what they have. And to your point, we've got a lot of great games coming out. Uh, and beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. Let's just, uh, let's just have what we have. I mean, July, July, we've got Skyward Sword. There's plenty of time, you know, if they don't want to have too many releases right on top of each other. Between July mm -hmm. and the end of the year, there's plenty of time for another Zelda release. There's most likely going to be a Fall Direct or something like that. And, and again, you look at already the end of the year, it's stacked. It is already mm -hmm. stacked. Yeah. And, and, and that's not even counting like Pokemon, which was not shown in the E3 because they did their own thing. That's coming in November with, with Legends coming in January. Uh, there is a constant barrage of great titles. And they may not all be for you, and that's fine. But I'm sure there's going to be something in there for you. And if there's nothing there for you, then play on another system. You know, I'm sorry. You know, but, but we have to remember that even though it's a business, we're not we're not entitled to anything. They don't have to make another game in any other series if they don't want to. Look at Sony. Sony's the king of dropping IP like crazy. <laughs> like, like yeah. all right, we're done with this. We moved on to a new console generation. What, you want more Jack and Daxter? Oh, no, sorry, we're done. Uh, you know, like, like that's it. We're moved on. Uh, well, and so be, being in the marketing world, like I, I kind of see where Nintendo's coming from, right, and all these releases that, that you've stated too. You don't want to cannibalize on what you're going to be putting out in the market, right? Yeah. So if you're if you have Skyward Sword coming out and you want people to be stoked about Skyward Sword, why in the world would you talk about a 3D collection at this point? You want those sales to come through, that initial hit of sales. 
and then talk about the next Zelda game. There's no reason for them to come through and say, we're doing a 3D collection because that overshadows the Skyward Sword collection or Skyward Sword remake coming out. Yeah. You know, or HD remaster, however you want to call it. So I, I could see exactly where Nintendo's coming from. I see your point too. A lot of stacked games. There's no reason to go through and you're just going to have so much crossover. Things are not going to sell the way you want them to. And there's a fine line in the marketing world as far as when you talk about certain things, right? Like if you're in a large business, you might focus on, you don't want to focus on one segment of your business, right? You want to focus equally on different parts of it. And they're doing the same thing with these franchises and these releases, focusing on one thing at a time to get you excited for it and to get you to buy it. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I think uh, that's, that's about 30 minutes of Nintendo. So let's uh, <laughs> jump into our, our next piece here. Uh, we want to know more about premium edition games. Uh, so, you know, give us a little spiel about, you know, what you guys do, uh, what you have coming out, and then we're going to ask you the hard questions here. Yeah, absolutely. So I always welcome the hard questions. Um, so for those of you that have not heard about us, we are Premium Edition Games. Uh, you can check out our webpage at premiumeditiongames.com. And what we are is we are a small publisher of physical Nintendo Switch titles. Uh, we take digital-only titles and we bring them into the physical realm, but we don't just want to just do that what we try and do is we try and give these titles each of our titles the limelight we give them multiple months of limelight we give them uh premium packaging we give them the like a lot of bang for your buck like even our premium editions which is what some people might call standard um you get a lot of stuff in there so in addition to getting the game you're getting a full color manual which a lot of games don't give we're giving a challenge card, which which I'll talk about in a little bit. You're getting not only the artwork, but you're also getting inner artwork for every release. And if you pre-order um, right now during the pre-order window, you're also getting a slipcover. And the slipcover has exclusive art done by Paul Niemeyer, who's famous for doing Mortal Kombat and a bunch of other games. But Mortal Kombat is definitely his probably the most famous claim to fame. Uh, all looks awesome, and you're getting that. It's $39.95. Like, that's a lot of bang for your buck. You're not paying the 60 bucks on top of that. But then we also have other editions. We do, like, a retro edition, which comes with, like, an NES or SNES-style box with other goodies. Um, for, like, example, the Pigeon Dev Games Collection, which is out now. Um, you got a steelbook. Beautiful steelbook. Looks like a classic old-school TV. Uh, first horizontal front and back steelbook on the Switch. And just a lot of people are calling it the, the best steelbook in design out there. And we, we tried to one-up it with Robot Named Fight. Uh, and then we have our Deluxe. And a Deluxe is not for every edition. Uh, our Deluxe goes up to $99.95. But you're not only getting a bunch of cool things thrown in there, but one of the best things you're getting is a premium guide. And it is a hardcover, silver-lined guide where not only do you get the full game you know talked about like the old school guides you're also getting an interview with the developer and you're getting a history on the physical creation of the game so you're getting a lot of stuff in this in this guy's like 300 pages like it's not a small book and you're getting all that it all houses together really really cool and uh we try and go above and beyond. We try to, you know, some people have said that we're raising the bar on what people should be releasing. And I, I love hearing that. I love, uh, you know, our, our uh, head of production, uh, Jeff, he loves hearing that. He does an amazing job. And uh, so we, we, what we do is when we release our games, we release them in series because 
we're collectors too. We know how expensive it is. We know how many releases are coming out. We don't want to overflow the market. And so we do, you know, pretty much a game a quarter, but we do them pretty much two games per half a year because uh, we like to do series together. So our first series, which is Super Blood Hockey, amazing 2D ice hockey, like NES style uh, hockey game, but super bloody. You can kill players. It's a lot of fun. And then the Pigeon Dev Games Collection, which is four games in one. It's, it's a first North American uh, multi-application cart uh, that has Awesome P1, Awesome P2, Bucket Knight, and Explosive Jake. You're getting all four games together. And what's cool is our versions are slightly different in this case than the digital versions. So with uh, Super Blood Hockey, our version actually has less bugs than the, than the digital version. Nintendo was very strict about it, and we had a correct some bugs and with pigeon dev games collection you're actually getting exclusive music they changed the soundtrack for all four games and that's also on the cd but but our copy of the card has exclusive songs um that is not on the uh the digital version when you go to the storefront uh right now we have our series two pre-orders open they, they open june 15th and they close july 15th we're giving you you know four weeks to pre-order and that's for demons tier plus and a robot named Fight. And again, um, we have retro and and uh, deluxe versions. They are limited, and they are selling out. So if this is something that interests you, I definitely urge you to go to the site, check it out, and uh, see what you think. And hopefully you like that. If you just want to go with the premiums, that's cool too. But keep in mind that the slipcover is exclusive to pre-orders only. So if you want to wait till it comes out, because we have to send it to production after, you know, after we know how many we have to order, um, you buy them later on. If we have any left over, you're not going to get that cool slipcover. So it's no additional cost, just pre-order. Um, and uh, it's, it's awesome. Like if you look at the pictures, you'll see. And if you buy any of our Series 1 games, all of them come with the slipcovers. Um, so if you, we still have those in stock on our site too. So if you missed out, you haven't heard of us, oh my God, I want to go. But again, all our numbers are low. Like we are close to selling out of Series 1. And uh, definitely love the feedback. You know, and one of the things we do is we do work with the community. So we not only have interviews with the developers that you can check out on our site and on our YouTube channel because we like to let their story be told as well, but we also have our Discord where people chime in, tell us stuff, you know, they, they suggest games. And one of the cool things for the deluxe edition of Robot Name Fight is we're going to put up a poll in our Discord to ask all our followers what bonus item they want in that deluxe edition so the discord will actually have a say in what additional item gets thrown in there that's awesome nice and uh and you said selling out so what are you um what are you guys limiting the the different editions to in terms of numbers oh that's a good question um so in north america five thousand is the minimum print run of any game so super blood hockey is five thousand that's it um with Pigeon Dev, what we did is we did 3,000 of the Premium Edition, 1,000 Retro, and 1,000 Deluxe. With Robot Name Fight, I don't know how many Premium Editions there are because it is open pre-order for this time, so I can't tell you that. Um, but we have uh, only 1,000 Retro and 1,000 Deluxe, of which only 500 of each of those are on our site. The other 500 we've sent to our distribution partners and are holding some back in case of damages. And if we have any left over, they will go on sale when we have them in hand. But don't count on that because we may not have any left. Um, Demons Tier Plus, we, again, I can't comment on the, the 
the premium editions, there will be at least 4,000. Um, and the retro of that will be limited to 1,000. Again, only 500 available on our site. I also forgot to mention one of the things we, we realized when we started this, we weren't actually planning retro editions. We were planning on just doing re the, the premium and the deluxe. And the retro was a happy accident because of Steelbook. So Steelbooks had to be ordered in certain quantity minimums, and 2,000 was the minimum, and we were only doing 1,000 deluxe. What do we do with these 1,000 extra um, Steelbooks? So we decided to create the retro edition for Pigeon Dev. And going forward, we did it with Demon's Tear and with uh, Robot Name Fight, but we realized Super Blood Hockey only had a premium. So one of the things we wanted to do was give Super Blood Hockey the same kind of love. So right now it's available on our site, less than 500 remaining. We only made 1,000 of these. We did a retro upgrade, and the retro upgrade gives you a retro NES-style box that's modeled after Blades of Steel. Um, but then you also get the soundtrack CD, including unreleased music, that was not put in there. But the composer of the, the music for the game is a guy named Sean Daly, who's also a comic book artist. So not only did we have him do the art for the CD sleeve, but we said, hey, would you like to work with the developer of the game and make a, an official canon prequel comic for the coach? Because Super Bowl Hockey, for those that don't know, actually has an RPG mode. There's a franchise mode where you play a coach and you manage a team and play and you have to buy and sell players and, and go through the whole thing. It's an awesome RPG. You, you feed them, you, you choose when they exercise, and players can die. And you have to get new players, so you have to manage your team. Um, but they did an official prequel comic that's all black and white and red it's it looks great and he did that with working with the developer of super blood hockey and that's also included and that retro upgrade is 1995 we so let's let's make it so it's about the same price as uh, a standard re uh, retro edition and that's we just want to do something cool we're like let's do something cool let's make it out there and that's shipping so the, right now everything is shipping for series one except for the deluxe the deluxe we anticipate to be shipping soon um, probably in July, but everything else of series one is already shipping. Good stuff, man. Uh, so out of those games you guys currently have and those that are in pre-order, uh, they're all great, uh, I'm sure. But is there a favorite that you have out of those? I mean, personally of those, my favorite, it's a tie between robot name fight and super blood hockey. But if I have to be honest, my favorite so far is actually a series three title that we teased which is cathedral that's awesome and it's coming soon uh, we'll talk more about that later on but yeah robot name fight is amazing it's 2d metroidvania uh roguelike and then super blood hockey like i said the hockey action was good but then when i found that rpg mode uh, it was a lot of fun and i did i did also mention i would talk about and i forgot to the challenge cards so one of the things that we like to do because as collectors what happens with most people when they buy games? They put them on their shelves, they leave them sealed, they collect dust. So we wanted to get a, find a way to get people to open their games and enjoy their games because we think they're cool games. And so what we did is we hearkened back to the old Activision Atari days and we decided to put challenge cards in each of our releases. And the challenge card is a challenge specifically from the developer themselves about the game and they uh, they make you have this challenge, and if you do the challenge that they task you with, you post it on social media, proof of you doing the, the challenge with the card and your physical game and everything. Tag us, you know, put premiumeditiongames.com, and also send us an email letting us know here's where you could find a challenge proof and and everything else. Uh, we will send you in the mail for free 
a patch, a physical patch that you would iron onto a clothes or anything else that you want to put it on, or you can put it in your game case and make your game truly complete. Um, so each of our games has a different challenge, and each of them has their own unique challenge patch that you can earn. On top of that, um, we also do unboxing patches. So if you get a copy of a Series 1 game and you open it up and you do a whole video, you know, here unboxing it for everybody, you share it on social media and uh, tag us and then email us, let us know, here's where you could find my unboxing video. Again, we will send you as a thank you for free an unboxing patch, which is only for Series 1. We're going to have a different patch for unboxing Series 2 stuff. It's just our way of saying thank you. We're a small company. We can't, you know, we don't have the big media influencers that a lot of other people do, but if you like what you're unboxing, you think it's really cool, share it with the world and we'll, we'll give you a cool little freebie for it. That is so cool. Yeah, and I love that, man. That yeah, that's just one way to like connect with the community and, and really just get something special, uh, which I, I think it's awesome, dude, what you guys are doing with that. Yeah. Um, let's see. So so you mentioned Cathedral. Can you, um, are outside of that, are there any other games that you're allowed to talk about that are coming out? <laughs> well, I, all I can tell you is Cathedral is coming soon. Um, we, okay. we do have other things planned that I can't talk about, especially right now. We're really focusing on Series 2 because the pre-orders are open and we want people to... to um, get their opportunity to get that slipcover. Uh, I will say we're always looking for really cool games to bring out, but we are moving slowly. So even like if you order, like right now you're listening to this and you go, oh, I'm going to go to premiumeditiongames.com. I'm going to grab Demon's Tear. I'm going to grab Robot Name Fight. Um, we're not ordering the actual carts until July 15th or maybe the 16th because we want to we wanna make sure we get the right number uh, to order. But... At the same time, we are still working and getting things approved. The games have been, been through lot check already. We've got the art assets approved, uh, and we're starting production on the things we can start producing on already. Uh, so hopefully the turnaround will only be a couple months, um, because once we submit to Nintendo, of course, we have to, A, wait for our time in the queue to be produced, and then once they're produced, we have to wait for them to be shipped to our you know warehouse facility and all that stuff. So a lot of that stuff's out of our control. So we, we figure a couple-month turnaround um, after July 15th. But like I said, the Series 1 stuff is in hand and shipping, and the Deluxe will be shipping in July for Pigeon Dev. But we still have stock, and I do think once people see the quality of that Steelbook and see the quality of our Deluxe, uh, I don't think we'll be in stock for long because they're truly awesome. And of course, when you're dealing with a new company, some people are a little, oh, are you going to go out of business? Is this going to be another Warren Collector? And we absolutely do not want that. We want to earn the respect of everybody. Ryan, I'm going to ask one more question here, yeah. and then uh, and then you ask the next one. Uh, so, you know, you guys have mentioned you've mentioned a lot of great stuff that you guys are doing. And is there anything that we're not hearing here? Um, and and I'm, I'm bringing this up because what really like sets you apart from some of those like other small publishers or or limited run type publishers that are out there in the world? Like, what else are you guys doing that like? kind of sets you apart <laughs> well first and foremost i need to clear something up we don't look at anybody else's competition all right we are not competing with limited run we're not competing with super rare we're not competing with any other company we are doing our own thing and as collectors we love those other companies too we buy their games you know um what we try and do is we just want to say these are games that are overlooked these are games that no one else has picked up these are games that we think are worth preserving physically and we just want to give them their time to shine and we want to give them the best packaging and if one thing if you look at when we we you know a lot of companies 
will be cheaper. And I'm not saying any company in particular, but a lot of times you, you'll buy a new Switch game and you'll pop it open and it'll be blank white on the inside. No manual, just the game. PlayStation, the same thing. You just open it up and there's like just like uh, like the disclaimers and all this like the terms of license on the inside and that's it and no and just a disc no manual it's it feels very cheap and impersonal now and we not only on stacking with all these cool things we also try not to repeat any art if possible so every piece of art you will see on our packaging it's all unique and different from different artists um we have pieces commissioned we have pieces from the developer themselves that they've had commissions we've had our own in-house artist um doing stuff and every piece we don't like to repeat if we can avoid repeating we're going to avoid repeating so every piece of art you get from the inlay to the cover to the retro box to the cd art to the deluxe box the it's all the manual cover, it's all going to be unique pieces of art if we can uh, we can help that just because we like to showcase how cool this game is and give you all these kind of options. That's so, so cool. For those, listening, for those listening, your Switch collection isn't complete until you buy every edition. Just <laughs> you don't have to buy every edition, but it's not complete unless you get that challenge patch. So you need to open up and do that, that challenge. That's it. True. That's, that's all so cool. I mean, <clears throat> that's all the things, and we've definitely talked about a lot of that stuff before that like feels like it's missing from modern gaming like you miss those like you know reading through the manual on the way home from the store in the back seat of the car and like you know picking up every little extra bit of lore that you can from things that are outside of the game and w when you just don't throw anything in like you were saying it just it feels a little hollow so it's great to see you know you guys stepping up into that space and like really putting like all that heart back into it and especially like with the art, like being able to show off, you know, like uh, other people that, you know, uh, care about this product and are able to showcase like awesome aspects of it in their own way. That's really cool. Yeah, we love working with different artists. We love um, using inspiration from things. And we try like series one is based off like NES Game Boy era. So like, you know, like I said, like Blades of Steel influence for the Super Blood Hockey box, you know, the Konami style. And then for Series 2, it's more 16-bit games. So it's Super nintendo size boxes and style boxes. So it's like horizontal. And we try to use those kind of influences to, hey, let's make this, make it harken back to those memories. And uh, one thing that, that uh, our designer loves to do is loves to throw little... Uh, hidden things in there, little Easter eggs. So, like one of the things, and I, I could I could tell you where to find it. I'm not going to say what it is, but some people <laughs> have pointed it out. Is if you have Super Blood Hockey and you open it up, one of the cool things we did, or he did, I could I can't take credit for it, is if you there's a there's a hidden something underneath the actual game. The game cartridge actually did something to the art. And if you oh, pop wow. out that cartridge, you'll see it hidden underneath the cartridge. It's just a little something like let's do this. This will be kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's those like little that, touches. Um, yeah, it's like that bar that the back of the Bard's Tale disc. I think yeah. it's like if you want to see something funny and you flip it over. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> stuff like that. But but yeah. not insulting. <laughs> we don't want to insult anybody. <laughs> we we love our customers very much, though. So. so gotta ask you, man, how did you get started with all this? <laughs> well, I I say this every time I'm talk to, talk about it. I'd love to be to say I was there from the beginning because I would. I would love to. But uh, it started back, uh, it was a con, a con that both Jeffrey and, and JP um, attended. They got to talking, they got to working together, and they, they tossed around the idea of doing a, a physical company. Like, oh, it would be pretty cool. They talked about it for a little bit. Uh, 
And after a little while, they did start the Switchmania Playcast just to play some games and, and keep in contact and keep doing cool stuff. And JP had to step away for a little bit um, due to his real life. And that's when I came in. So I came in uh, to the Playcast. And JP came back shortly thereafter. And the three of us continued doing the Playcast. We're still doing the Playcast to this day. Um, but they were working behind the scenes. I had no idea on Premium Edition. And after a little while, they said, you know, it would be really cool to bring you know, Barry on board. And they reached out to me and said, hey, here's what we've been doing behind your back that you have no idea about. I'm like, holy crap. You know, I wish you had talked to me at the beginning. Like, I would have been on, in from the ground floor. Uh, and they're like, yeah, so you want in? I said, yeah, I want in. Like, uh, <laughs> like absolutely. That's a no-brainer. Uh, so ever since then, I, you know, I've, I've come on board. And, and because we're a small team like there's there's six of us total i mean there's there's jeffrey who who works mainly production there's jp who mainly does marketing social media there's frank who does social media there's uh, erica who does our designers uh awesome designs a lot of the art you see and the, the banners and stuff that's all her and the steelbook designs that's her too she is amazing uh, and then the steve who works with the premium guides and writes them and then me and uh i do customer service and and uh interviews and stuff like that like for with the developers and one of the things we we do is we we have like a force because we all wear many hats like as a small company you have to wear many hats so like i i help out jp like with marketing and sales and stuff like that and talking with different uh, companies and, and distribution partners and we when we get a game in we all play it we decide hey is this something we want to do is this something we want to look into and that's something we actually started putting towards the playcast um where the uh we'll get a game in and right now we're not signing games because we have so many cool games already in the lineup but we'll get a game in and we'll play and we'll make it part of a series should we sign this like should this be a physical release and we'll play it and talk about it we the idea of the playcast is it's kind of like a book club so we want our listeners to also play the game with us and then let us know their their ideas and thoughts on the game so they'll start playing the games and they'll say oh yeah this deserves a physical or ah maybe not maybe wait for a sequel and do a two-pack or something we like to get the community involved on what games we pick as well uh, so but but like i said because we are small we definitely all wear many hats and we you know the, we all make the wheel keep moving and that's how i got involved and i couldn't be happier and i'm just honored to be a part of this team it's good stuff man that sounds like a lot of fun overall especially to play cast and you know, being able to kind of just review games with with friends, really, and determine how do you want to move forward on this, and and uh, kind of holding that power in a sense, right? Of do we make this physical? Do we not? I I just love the entire concept. It's fantastic. I mean, if if we had infinite time and infinite money, I mean, we would make a lot more. Um, but that's something like some companies where that is their full time job. That's something with premium is that this isn't our full time job. We all have jobs outside of this. This is something mm -hmm. we do in our spare time. So instead instead of a lot of times like, oh, we're just going to play games or spend time with family. A lot of times we're working premium stuff. That's that's <laughs> taken over that part of our lives. So that's one of the reasons we're also going slowly right now, because this isn't, you know, our full time gig we're just doing this on the side because we love video games that's what we're, we're doing with it so you know we always ask people you know be a little patient with us we're, we're doing our absolute best to uh to get these cool things out and of course games are expensive so we we have to go slowly because we uh we can't just 
hey, let's get all the games. I mean, I would love to do that, but Jeff would kill me because Jeff does all, all the productions and be like, I can't do all that production. Uh, and then, then, of course, if we did too many, things would be lost in the shuffle, and we don't want that. We want to give these spotlights to these developers and these games that we think are totally rad. Awesome. I love it, dude. It's good stuff. Ryan, you got any other questions here before we uh, jump into Demon's Tier? Um, Demon's Tier Plus, I should say. Yeah, let's just jump into the uh, Inflation Deflation Challenge. All right, sounds good. So, uh, Barry, before when you first reached out to us, we we're like, all right, you know, let's uh, let's see what they've got that uh, we might want to play. And first thing that just kind of came to mind was Demon Steer. I mean, there's digital release that you can pick up. Uh, I think it's ten bucks on the uh, really on the App Store for the Switch. Um, and then you guys have, of course, your editions that are up for pre-order. Yes. And we're like, let's just check it out. So, uh, Ryan. If you want to do the honors with the developer, publisher, and, and so on. So we've got Demons Tier Plus, uh, developer, uh, Diabolical Mind, and Cowcat, published by Diabolical Mind and Cowcat, uh, released February 2019. It's a roguelike shooter adventure game, and the online reception looks like it's around like a 7 out of 10. I was able to check out the demo on Switch. Love when games have a demo on Switch for you to you know, dabble around with and make sure it's something you're into. I absolutely fell in love with the art, like right from the opening of this game. It's absolutely crazy. Good looking. Yeah, I, I was right there with you, man. So the art for me was phenomenal. It really kind of drew me in and, and I'm not a person that plays a lot of rogue lights. It's probably one of the types of games that I, I really don't play a whole lot. And this one immediately, I, some of the, so some of the negative and I'll, I'll bring this up. One of the negative things that I read was that it was a little too easy to get into. But for me, I love that, man. I don't play a lot of roguelites. So for me to just kind of jump into this game and know exactly what I was doing and kind of just envelop myself in it, I thought that was a huge plus for this one. Um, I actually had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the overall music I thought was very good. Uh, I love the character styles that are in there. It's kind of like that pixelated anime type of style going for it. And, uh, of course, the gameplay itself was very happy of how it controlled. Uh, comparing it to other roguelites I've seen through, like, smaller developers at conferences and stuff that we've gone to and playtested, uh, this one, for me, I was able to, like, tell what every item was when I picked it up. I was able to differentiate who the enemies were. Um, and it, it just was very fluid in my experience. And uh, I loved it, dude. Like it was actually a lot of fun for me and in a genre that I normally don't touch. When did you uh, Barry, guys? I, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Barry, I assume you've, have you played this uh, particular game all the way through? Have you played, just kind of play tested uh, through Playcast? What was uh, your initial impression when you first started playing this game? Yeah. So uh, I was sent the code like, Hey, check this out. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Let me try it. And I haven't beat it, but uh, I've spent a good time with it, and uh, like I, I'm not a big roguelike person either. Uh, I like just constantly making progress. And uh, my first time I was going through, I was like, oh, this is great, because it's like Gauntlet, you know, you go into different objectives per floor and you're killing all the things. And like, oh, this is so much fun. And then I died and I lost everything. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I didn't realize how to, you know, save things. And I'm like, okay, I screwed up. <laughs> so then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back in. And, and yeah, uh, it's it's a ton of fun. Uh, I'm still spending time with it. We just did a playcast actually on it. And I'm going to continue to... Uh, to uh, enjoy and uh, play and one of those things you mentioned was the art the art in this game is fantastic 
and it just that harkens that 16-bit you know role-playing era and it's so cool one of the things we're actually doing with the physical with the retro edition is you get character art cards so you get Ooh. like character cards for each of the different playable characters with like their stats and all that stuff that's coming exclusively to the retro edition um, because it's it's just such a cool idea and like oh here you can you can see all the stats you can compare what character you want to use because there's multiple unlockable characters including the the bonus characters that will be included in the card set as well uh, and then, of course, if you haven't checked it out, um, Paul's slipcover for Demon Seer Plus has the different jobs, that, you know, kind of inspired into real life what they would kind of look like. And some of the characters are actually based off of cosplayers that he knew, which is really cool. Like he took that inspiration of mixing a, a real life cosplayer with the character art. And uh, it just looks awesome. Yeah, uh, Paul was kind of sharing with us a little bit of that art as he was uh I guess, you know, his Facebook page and other stuff. And as we interviewed him, I guess about a month ago now, Ryan, uh, he was sharing with us Demon's Tear. And like, we were stoked just to see that artwork from like in, in its process of just like the sketch component. And then seeing the final product uh, when it was finally released was just, it was fantastic to see that all kind of come together. And, uh, you know, one of the things for me with this game too that I really enjoyed that I thought was pretty cool was the overall story and how, you know, it's this king that's like destroyed pretty much all of humanity and like a thousand years later this pit just kind of appears in his village and it it just kind of it gave me this mindset of if i was in that situation in a little town like then this random pit just popped into our into our town hell yeah people would be jumping in there to figure out what was going on yeah and so i, I just thought that was a really cool twist to the story and how that was incorporated for the um, the tears uh, as you go through those different dungeons i really want to play more of this game barry have you had a chance to mess around with like uh more of the other characters i only did like the knight in the demo um how are they uh different um i have only played i think two of them but they all have different uh you know health amount of health and amount of uh speed and all that stuff so they you could you could beat the game with any of them and what's cool is when you do the upgrades you can up so like if you do the berserker which is super powerful but very low health uh and defense you can actually upgrade them and build up their health and defense first and make a more well-rounded character or you could say screw it glass cannon let's go and that's what's so cool is you actually in addition to having the base stats you get to build the characters the way you want them to be uh you got a lot of control over that Good stuff. Uh, so, Ryan, uh, you know, overall, we've got two different versions here, right? Uh, complete in box, you're looking at uh, 40 new through premium edition games on pre-order as well as other versions that they have. And then you've got, of course, we'd consider it loose, right? Uh, $10 digital release here. Uh, in your experience and, you know, everything that Barry has also brought up here with this game and, and what you can get through them, uh, what is your overall thought in regard to inflated or deflated on the price here? Uh, so I think that uh, premium edition games pack so much quality into their product. I think that uh, thirty nine ninety five is an absolute steal. Uh, and I definitely want to pick this up. I'll be pre-ordering for sure uh, probably next week. A little light in the budget this week. But I, I absolutely want to pick this game up. I absolutely want, you know some of that art uh, around my house so that I can look at it. Uh, I think that this is a great deal. I love what you guys are doing and I can't wait to see more. 
Yeah, so for me, I would say the overall value, right, of that 40 bucks for a copy and then those premium editions, I think it's worth it, right? Um, I would say with all of the, the product that's being pumped into these uh, and all the little additions and, and the Easter eggs and everything else, I, I think it's a great price. Uh, I'm not a big fan of digital copies, so for me, $10, um, I think it's a good price if you want to go digital, especially for what you're getting, uh, but that's just not for me. I'm retro or complete in box all the way through. Uh, but I will say I won't be getting this one, but I do have my eye on Super Blood Hockey. Uh, that's just here. So Barry, I didn't know about the RPG component of that. I just I'm a big hockey fan. So seeing the overall like hockey game, like, all right, I got to get this for sure. And then that RPG just that locked me in, dude, right off the bat. Yeah, that that's what got me to I'm, I'm a hockey fan. I love Blades of Steel and ice hockey on the NES. And when I was like, oh, yeah, we're uh, this has a franchise mode. I was like wait what <laughs> i was like and then i played it and like it it it's cool because like it's not just like like nhl hockey like franchise modes which i played before in like 2k games and stuff it's literally a prison league and you're these are all prisoners and you're literally buying and selling them and you know you can give them performance enhancement drugs if you want or or make them train but you have to like watch they get like brain injuries the more they do and if you don't treat them well and like if they get injured and they get like put on you know like an iron lung kind of deal you actually have to pay like you get a budget you have to pay to keep them alive you have to choose if it's worth it or not you can pull the plug like you're just not worth keeping alive anymore <laughs> like you could do a lot of these <laughs> a lot of these crazy things in this rpg that you wouldn't expect in a hockey game nice uh and it has um it's got multiplayer locally right? yeah okay yeah no that's good stuff that's good stuff. Uh, dude, I, I love that. That's awesome. Like that even, that locks me in even further. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will say if, if Demon's Tear though, which which I agree with you, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in the company, I think for, you know 40 bucks is, is a fair price um, for all the stuff you're getting. But if that's something that interests you, and you, if you're getting the retro edition, great, because the retro edition is limited. We have about 50% left um, and they're going and they might be even gone by the time this interview goes up or, or maybe just all just very few left. But if you're interested in that, you get the soundtrack and you get those character cards as well as the SNES style retro box, which looks fantastic on top of the game. Um, if you just want the premium, make sure to pre-order it during the window before July 15th and you'll get that Paul slipcover for free. Like no additional charge. It's that part of that $39.95. Good stuff. So uh, Ryan, inflated, deflated, or just right? Um, you know, I'm going to go with uh, Just Right. I think that this is all perfect. Uh, like I said, I mean, John's not a digital guy. I'm usually a digital guy. I don't really do a lot of collecting, but I mean, this package is definitely enough to put me over the edge on it. I'm going to go Just Right for you as well. I think uh, at that $40 mark, fantastic for what you're getting. And uh, of course, you got that long-term collectability, given that it is a, a limited product in a sense as well. Cool. Well, uh, Barry, any uh, final thoughts here? If you want to, you know, kind of let folks know where to find you, where to find premium edition games, how to find Nintendo Fuse, and so on. Absolutely. So, uh, premium edition games, you can absolutely find us at premiumeditiongames.com and go there and you can purchase our products. Again, we are running low on a lot of the stuff and the pre orders for Demons Tier Plus. And Robot Name Fight do close on July 15th, so make sure to get those pre-orders in, uh, especially if you want that slipcover. Um, you could also find Premium Edition games on social media, Twitter, at Premium Edition 1. 
And you can find Nintendo Fuse at nintendofuse.com, where we do video game news, especially Nintendo news, as well as reviews. And we have our bi-weekly podcast, which is every other Tuesday night. Um, And that is done live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, live as in not only audio, but also on camera. So you can actually see my ugly mug live um, as we do that and join in on the chat because we do interact with the chat all the time. It's a lot of fun. Um, The Switch Mania Playcast you could find on all uh, podcast uh, services, just like the Nintendo Fuse podcast. And uh, that we usually record every week or sometimes we'll, we'll have a week off. And uh, you can find that there as well as on premiumeditiongames.com as well. And if you want to follow me personally, just me, um, you can find me on Twitter at Hawk Hellfire. I'm always up for talking video games. That's where we met Barry as well on Twitter. So uh, we'll do our own little plug here at the end. So if you want to catch uh, future episodes of the Game Deflators podcast, you can find us at thegamedeflators.com and all of those nice social media, or not social media, but podcast applications. Uh, but we do have social media applications such as Twitter at Game Deflators and on Instagram and Facebook as at The Game Deflators. Well, Barry, thanks again for jumping on the show. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Learned a lot, had a lot of fun, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, having me. It was a, a true honor and uh, always welcome to come back whenever you want. Just reach out. Sounds good, man. Well, this has been episode 137 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.